0: Welcome to the All Nations Aurora Podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We've been going through um, an incredible conversation uh, called Pivot Points because life happens, and sometimes we 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 make plans. And we, 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 we think that step one is going to lead to step two, which is then going to lead to step three. And we think our whole journey is going to go that way. And then God in his sovereignty changes directions on us. He pivots us in a brand new direction that we didn't account for. And that can be tough if we're honest. It can be really tough. If we're really honest, because if we are going to be totally honest, we like being God. We like determining our own steps. We like charting our own paths. And I got to let you know, um, I don't know if this is breaking news, but you're not God. God is God. And, and and he has the final say. And so um, in part one of this Pivot Point series, um, we talked about, Dr. Monique talked about the purpose of the unknown zone. And when we find ourselves in these places that we didn't pre-plan for, it's actually an opportunity for us to grow and develop and even find our very purpose for being here. And then in part two, we did a message called Out of Character. And we looked at Um, the life of Moses, because sometimes the pivot doesn't happen externally. It happens internally. And sometimes life's changes come to help us grow in our character. And that growth in character is for our good, not just in and of ourselves, but so that we can be a part of what God's doing in the earth. He's changing us so that we can change the world. And then last week, message was called you got this because when pivot points arise, it's important that as we walk into the pivot, that we go with the wisdom of God, that we don't try to add our intellect and our genius and our uh, uh, two cents into what God is doing. We should ask him, okay, you got me going in this direction. Now, what do I do as I proceed? to follow your lead. And it's important that we take God's wisdom with us. And the pivot point that we're going to be looking at this week, it's not super sexy. Um, We're going to be looking at the pivot point of disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. What happens when we are pivoted in life courtesy of disappointment? quick question. Let's take a, a quick, quick poll, quick survey. Um, raise your hand if you've ever been disappointed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now that was the easy one. That was the easy one. That was the easy one. All right. You ready for the hard one? Okay. Now you're going to have to determine if you're going to tell the truth in church or not. Um, so this is, okay, get ready. Um, how, ra- raise your hand if you ever, in your mind, been disappointed by God. Thank you for those of you who are brave enough to tell the truth. I've been there too. Sometimes life hits us in such a way that um, we just don't know who to blame. And so we blame him. Disappointment shows up like, you know, like, you know, when somebody just kind of show up to your crib uninvited and unannounced, you know, that feeling. That's kind of what disappointment feels like you don't see it coming. And when it shows up, you're not too thrilled about it. Because you're like, you know, why you just show up in my crib? I mean, especially if both of y'all are blessed to have iPhones, you could just FaceTime. You know what I'm saying? You could text, you know what I'm saying? I'm in the neighborhood. But when you just show up unannounced, now you got to stop what you're doing to figure out how to accommodate this sudden pivot in your day. That's how disappointment shows up for us as well. But the good news is, although disappointments are disappointing and uncomfortable, sometimes for the believer, a lot of times really, disappointment shows up to provide divine direction from God. I know it it doesn't seem like it in the moment. Doesn't feel like it in the moment. But sometimes God delivers a disappointment or allows a disappointment to divinely redirect you into a place that he has specifically for you. We're going to take a look at the life of David to help us understand this truth. And I'm going to be reading from 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter, 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. I'll be reading from the CSB, 1 Samuel the 30th chapter, starting at verse 1. We're just going to read a few scriptures, verse 1 through verse 6. When you got it, say, I got it. If you need more time, say, hold up. All right. First Samuel 30, chapter 1, CSB reads, David and his men arrived in Ziglag on the third day. The Amalekites had raided the Negev and attacked and burned Ziglag. They also had kidnapped the women and everyone in it, from youngest to oldest. They had killed no one, but carried them off as they went their own way. When David and his men arrived at the town, they found it burned. Their wives, sons, and daughters, had been kidnapped. David and the troops with him wept loudly until they had no strength left to weep. Have you ever cried so much that you just ran out of tears? Sometimes life does that. David's wives, Ahanoam, come on, I practiced that all week. Did I do all right? Ahanoam, the Jezreelite and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite had also been kidnapped. Here it is, David was in an extremely difficult position because the troops talked about stoning him for they were all very bitter over the loss of their sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord His God, David found strength in the Lord, his God. Today's text, I'm going to tag as strength in numbers. Can y'all help me pray really quickly? Lord God in heaven, we honor you. We bless your holy name. We welcome your presence. Father, we even welcome your pivots because we know that everything that you allow, you have a purpose in it. Even in times where we can't really fully grasp what you're doing, we'll make the decision to trust you anyway. Help us to receive your truth today so that our lives will never be the same for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Strength in numbers. Numbers are a curious thing. Has anybody ever had like a day on the calendar where like every year on that day you dreaded it because it reminded you of something painful or reminded you of a disappointment for me. That number is four. Four, four, four. because on April 4th, 2004 was a day that rocked my world that morning. Um, I was still in the military at this time, and one of my soldiers had gotten a letter from his wife. A letter, for those of you who are unaware, it's like a paper (laughs) that you write things on, or maybe you typed it, you fold it up, you put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, then you take it to the post office. I'm not talking about like ABC. I'm talking about like a letter that you put in the mail. Okay, we all on the same page now? So he got a letter from his wife. Um, We were overseas. We were in Iraq. And it was information that he had been waiting on. So he's married at that point, two daughters. And before we left, um, they were pregnant again. And so he got the letter that informed him that he finally was going to have a son. He'd been praying for a boy this time. And he was so, he was like, Sarge, because he was country, country. Not country. He was country, country. He was like, Sarge is going to be a boy. He was excited. I was happy for him. And um, a few hours later, his, his life was taken. We were just chilling, really. And then all of a sudden alarms go off. I'm on one side of the base. He's on the other. And, um, one of our sister units was under attack and they needed help. And so everybody ran out, but you know, he went one way and I went another. And, and and during the time that he was out there, um, his life was taken and we were just kind of all still like in the midst of all this going on because the battle lasted a few days. And so we were just out and about. And I remember just, just getting to a certain point of calm. It was like, I don't know, one o'clock in the morning, but we were still out, no sleep, no food. We're just, we're just there in formation, trying to secure the area. And I remember being surrounded by soldiers and being full of disappointment. Cause I'm like, how do you get a letter that was an answer to your prayer and then then God, how do you allow, you know how we do, God, how do you allow his life to be taken? Disappointment is paralyzing. This is where David found himself. Because sometimes when we hear strength in numbers, we think about people on this earth. I was surrounded by soldiers. I was surrounded by weapons. I was surrounded by armored vehicles at that moment, but I felt alone. I felt confused, shrouded in disappointment, much like we find David. David is in a place of immeasurable sorrow and disappointment. You know what's, What's worse than being disappointed at somebody? Do you know what's worse than being even disappointed at God? It's when you're disappointed in yourself. Disappointment comes in various forms. You see, there's a reason that all these soldiers are mad at David. David made a strategic decision that he was going to go and help the Philistine army in the battles that they were facing. Because right now, David is on the run. He's not at home. He's not with Judah. He's not with Israel. Because Saul been trying to kill him, so he had to get up out of there. And he took his soldiers with him. So they've just been on the run. He's already had multiple opportunities to kill Saul. And decided not to because of his reverence for God and God anointing Saul as his chosen man. He decided I'm not touching him. And so he made the decision. He took a calculated risk. And they decided that they were going to go help this army, but that they weren't going to leave any soldiers. With the wives. And the kids. He's going to take all his men to go help a battle, a battle that he didn't even end up fighting because the Philistine leadership didn't trust him. So they sent him back home. So all of that for naught. Not only did he just get rejected by the people he was ready to help, then he comes home, finds his camp burned to the ground and his family kidnapped. Can we just sit in his humanity for a second? Can you imagine coming home from work and your house being completely burned down and your family is gone? They weren't kidnapped like for ransom, like they were going to try to. No, 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 no. They took his family to keep them. So he's at a place where he believes that it's possible that he will never see them again. Now he's been out here being honorable, respecting God, not turning his back on Saul, the person who's trying to kill him because he honors God so much. He's doing kingdom work. You know how you do. I volunteer at my church. I give to the church. I pray for people when they call me. I'm the shoulder that everybody leans on. How you going to let this happen to me, God? I've been doing what you told me to do. I don't deserve this disappointment. This isn't fair. How could you let this be? I bet all of this stuff was going through David's mind. We don't know. But if we sit inside his humanity for a second, how could he not have these thoughts? How could he not be pondering his disappointment with the Amalekites? Those are the people who came and kidnapped his family. How can he not be disappointed in the God he's been serving for allowing these enemies of his to come and do this disastrous work? I gotta imagine he was disappointed in his decision to leave them unprotected. It's easy to talk about what people have done to us. Can we be honest for a second about some of the decisions that we've made that have hurt others and how we found ourselves disappointed in ourselves because of the decisions that we made that caused destruction to the people we love? That's a tough place to be. That's tough on the emotions. That's tough on the energy. And I think that that's why the verse six says that David found strength in his God because he didn't have any. Can you imagine going through all these emotions and still having to lead? Like when tough times show up, the last thing you wanna do is be responsible for other people the last thing you want to do is come up with a strategy. The last thing you want to do is encourage someone else. It's going to be all right. And you just want to just be by yourself. Kind of process. What in the world is going on? How can life hit me like this? I think we got to look at the theology of disappointment. We don't do enough processing our emotions through the lens of God. But there is a theology of disappointment. Do you know why we are disappointed? We're disappointed because humanly speaking, we have expectations. In our mind, things are supposed to go a certain way. People are supposed to behave a certain way. Life is supposed to feel A certain way. Where does that come from? It comes from the Garden of Eden. Because before God created and formed us, he created a place for us. That place was called the Garden of Eden. And in Genesis, it says that God formed us and placed us in that garden. And we all know what happened. We disappointed God and then we, begot, we became disappointed by the outcome of what God said back to us. He said, We have to leave that garden. He said, Now we won't have to work and toil. So we went from a place that bore fruit to a land that grew thorns. We were introduced to pain and suffering and death and destruction. But you know what's on the inside of all of us? A longing for that garden. That's why when life hits us a certain way, it doesn't feel good. It feels like a disappointment. Because we're still longing for what our first parents experienced in the garden of Eden. And the truth is, when we get to this place, much like where David found himself, it's super hard to feel good about it. It's super hard to feel positive. It's super hard to see a light at the end of this tunnel. And that's why it's important that we know what's in this Bible, because it's bread. It's life. It helps us in these moments. Scriptures like Psalm 34 and 18, it tells us that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. See, when our heart is broken, we feel alone. And the devil, he like presses in on that. Like nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody's thinking about you. God, how could he let this happen to you? He presses in on that feeling of loneliness. And if we are disconnected from the word of God, we won't know what to pull on. (laughs) Because not only does it say the Lord is near the brokenhearted, but he saves those crushed in spirit. At your lowest, at your bottom, at your worst, he is there. No matter how big that disappointment is, I know that you thought you were gonna get that job. I know you thought that marriage was gonna last forever. How do you deal with the disappointment of losing a child? When your spirit is crushed, what do you do? Whom do you turn to? In those moments of brokenness, the Bible would encourage you to turn to him. That's what David did. Not only was his family gone, not only was all his stuff stolen, but the people he was leading were now ready to kill him. It's a lot of pressure. That's a lot to process in real Time. We read this in just a few verses, but I bet that in that moment, it felt like eternity. It feels like we just got through it real quick in six verses. But when life hits, it seems like time is moving slow. That's that. That's that theology of disappointment. Because what we're feeling, the reason we're feeling like it's moving slow is because we have this hope for a better day tomorrow. We are hoping that things will turn the corner soon because our expectations are not meeting our reality. And when expectations and reality go in opposite directions, we find ourselves disappointed. How do we handle when our reality and our expectations going in two different directions. One of the things we have to remind ourselves of is the sovereignty of God in our lives. Big old church word, right? God is sovereign. What, 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 the, what does that mean? It's like one of the words we done heard in church would be like, amen, but I don't know what they're talking about. In the midst of disappointment, we got to remind ourselves that God is sovereign. It means that even though we can't really get it, like what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling, um, it's confusing me. Like, I don't see how God can be in this. When we remind ourselves that he's sovereign, we're telling ourselves that he he knows the end from the beginning. That even though right now, this really feels terrible. This really looks bad. There's got to be something down the road. Proverbs 19 and 21 says, many plans are in a person's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. When we, we, you know, decide on a career, when we decide, on, on a make, when we decide on a, on, on, on a neighborhood to live in, we never think that our house will go in foreclosure, that a relationship will fall apart, that a pink slip will be awaiting us. <laughs> but we can have all the plans in the world. We can have a plan A, B, and C. But when we remind ourselves of God's sovereignty, we, we remember this verse and that the Lord's decree. No matter what our plans are, the Lord's decree will prevail. He is the author of our lives. When we surrender our lives to him, we are also declaring that he is the author. We are uh, moving ourselves out of the way for the Alpha and Omega to have full sovereignty, which means rulership. Over our lives, this is one of them amen sermons, so you just got to stay with me. It's going to help you. The sovereignty of God means that he is in complete control of everything. That means that nothing happens without his knowledge or permission. He's like a master chess player. He's making one move, thinking about the next three. All you see is the current move. But our sovereign God has the next three moves in mind when he made this move. And that's why we need to remind ourselves that he's sovereign. That I don't know all the next steps, but he does. Sometimes we're gonna face disappointments and things aren't gonna go our way. What are we gonna do in those moments? As believers, as sons and daughters of the most high God, what's your default in those moments of disappointment? Is it to fix it yourself? Is it to phone a friend? Like who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> Do we go ask Dr. Phil or Yana Van aunt? Like at what point do we go to God when disappointment hits? Like like how long does it take for you to get there? For David, it was right away. It says in verse 6 that he found strength because he lost it. He lost it. And sometimes we we're not even honest with ourselves. We try to act super, but we feeling simple. We try to act strong like we got this, but we're really on the inside screaming, somebody help me. We got to be honest with ourselves about where we're at. (laughs) David is a warrior in every sense of the word. David wasn't nothing to play with. I know we like to talk about him on his harp. Let me tell you something. David was a killer. This Bible is full of examples of David killing people. In fact, the reason that the Philistines sent David away, say, nah, bro, we don't know. We ain't even trying to rock with you like that. Because they remember from years ago when David killed Goliath, who was a Philistine, that they heard the people singing, look at David. He killed his 10,000s and saw his thousands. They remember how much of a killer David was. Like, listen, man, yeah, you might be rocking with us now, but you might turn your back in the middle of combat. Why don't you just go on back to your people, man? Because they remember how bad this dude was. So David... Is not void of strength, typically. He's a dude. <laughs> but in this moment, he lost that strength. He was, he was honest with himself. It's <laughs> part of our problem is we have not been honest with our So we don't even realize how much help we need in this moment. Because we just try to keep going in life. When life gets disappointing, we try to just bury it and move on. Without actually finding strength for the journey. And then what happens is it comes out the wrong way. We got to realize this truth. It's hard to realize in a moment, but I want to give it to you now to put in your back pocket for later. Disappointment is not the final destination. It might be your current reality. That's not how the story ends. In the journey of life, we're going we're to encounter seasons of disappointment. It can be disheartening when, when these dreams that we dreamed don't turn out the way that we thought they would. Those dreams get shattered or expectations go unfulfilled. We got to remember that as Christians, we're called to look through these disappointments through a different lens, through a lens of faith. That's our secret weapon that the world doesn't have access to. We have faith and a God who's undefeated. It may feel like you're taking a loss right now, but when you look at the final score, when the game is actually concluded, our faith is that we will win because the God that we serve has never lost. But how do we, how do we, how do we get there? We got to turn to the word of God to find out what he promised us. Because part of our faith is knowing what to have faith in. If we have no idea what he has promised us, how can we, how can we trust him? If we don't know what he's already declared, over our lives what is there for us to what is there for us to believe in again if we don't know what's in here we are left stuck at this place of reality going one way and our expectations going another way and right in the middle stuck is us in disappointment and disappointment is more dangerous then we realize. You know, for the past week or so, the whole world's been captivated by this story about the submersible from, submersive from Ocean Gate. Um, these people went on a tour to go see the Titanic and, and tragically lost their lives along the way. And I remember not even knowing about this story until Ty told me, but have you heard about this? I was like, no. And then I went to go look at it and and then I was like, man, I I was like locked in the whole time. Like they're doing these countdowns (laughs) and they're saying that at a certain point, you know, these people are going to run out of, out of oxygen. And so I'm praying and I'm I'm steady. Look, I'm like, man, I just, I, I just, I just really believe that, with all of our technology and with, and with, with the Coast Guard and whatever, with, and with I, I just, I, I'm gonna be real. I, I honestly believe that they were gonna be found. And, and I mean, we know how it ended. And, um, and I kept reading even after the fact. And so it turns out, you know, according to what they're saying scientifically, uh, um, that it wasn't a situation where they ran out of oxygen. There was actual uh, an implosion that took place. Um, and, and so what that basically means is that some, something about this, this, this vessel that they were in, something wasn't up to par. There was something loose, something wasn't screwed in properly, some type of crack, but uh, it, it allowed for a leak to get in. And, and the deeper that you go in water, the more things become pressurized and it caused an implosion. And and disappointment is much like that vessel. If if we don't deal with it properly, the deeper we go in our calling, (laughs) the deeper we go in our vocation or or the deeper we go in our relationship. If, If we don't handle disappointment properly, we're gonna implode. We're going to bring disaster into a situation that didn't have to be disastrous if we would have handled our disappointment properly. If we would have done the right set of checks when we used to go out and with our vehicles or with our, with our weaponry or whatever we were dealing with, we used to have to do what we call pre-combat checks to make sure stuff was working before we ever went out. And so I think that when it comes to disappointment, we have to do a certain amount of checks. Like if it's there, if it's present in your life, you're dealing with disappointment. There's some things you need to check so that you don't end up imploding and causing destruction. The first thing you need to check is your attitude. How's your attitude right now? Like, how are you processing this pain? How are you processing the way that this disappointment is making you feel? Like, is it causing you to question the goodness of God? Is it costing you a closeness with him? Is the disappointment causing you to back up further and further from not only him, but from his people? You got to check your attitude because that could lead to an implosion if you don't deal with it properly. Not only that, but you need to check your altitude. You need to check your altitude. When we associate the posture of being low, we we associate that with humbleness. The opposite of that is being high and lofty. You know what that's called? Pride. Like how high are you feeling right now as you wrestle through This disappointment, do you have a prideful stance? Like, you don't need nobody. Hmm? Has disappointment caused you to show up in your new situation on guard because of your last situation? You're too high. You need to check your altitude because that pride is going to cause you to implode and cause disaster. Third thing you need to check is your aptitude, your thought life about this here disappointment. Because what happens when life hits us too hard, it changes the way that we think. It changes the way that we dream. It changes the way that we envision the future could be. Because we're not thinking aptitude about this disappointment through the lens the Bible, through the lens of scripture, through the lens of an undefeated God. So how do we move? Here's what we got to do. How do we move from disappointment to destiny? Because you have one. Despite what it feels like today, you still have a God-ordained destiny waiting for you. So how do you move past the current disappointment into the reality of your destiny. I think the first thing that you need to do is find strength in God's promises. Find strength in God's promises. When David and his men discovered the devastating aftermath, they were overwhelmed with grief. How could they not be? How could they not be devastated? So much to the point that they turned on their leader. They talked about stoning in verse six. David was in an extremely difficult position because the troops talked about stoning him, for they were all very bitter. That's an implosion. They were all very bitter over the loss of their sons and daughters, and David found strength in the Lord, his God. That we gotta, you gotta, you gotta let that like sink in. You gotta, you gotta realize where he was. Because sometimes when we get hit and we get hurt and we get disappointed, we think ain't nobody else ever felt that ever. <laughs> like this is just exclusive to us. Like God is so mad at us that he He allowed this super rare, unique disappointment to show up in our lives. But I think David was pretty disappointed in his situation as well, but the verse declares that he found strength in his Lord, in the Lord, his God. Despite the desperate situation, David turned to God for strength and encouragement. What What, what does that mean? You know what was probably happening? He probably remembered that time where the lion attacked him. And how the Lord guided him through that situation. He might have even been thinking about when the bear showed up and how the Lord guided him through that situation. He may be reminiscing on old Goliath. It seemed impossible, but God allowed him to destroy Goliath with a rock. Maybe he was thinking about even here recent history with himself and how So many times Saul had sought to kill him and it never worked because God always made a way for him. Maybe he was reminiscing on these things. I bet if you took some time to think about how good God has been to you in the past, you could find some strength too. Because this isn't the first time you've ever been disappointed. This isn't the first time things haven't gone your way. This isn't the first time you've been let down. And I bet that in those times of the past, if you just reflect just for a minute, you might find that that sovereign God that brought you through that situation is the same sovereign God that's available now. That last thing should have killed you. That last thing should have broke you. That last thing should have destroyed your future. But it didn't. Why? Because you serve an undefeated God. And even when it feels like you lose and you still win it because the God of the universe is on your team. You have to remember the promises of God because that is where you will find your strength. What does the Bible say about you? One of the things it says is that you're more than a conqueror. We're, we're talking about warfare with David. And there in the Bible, it says that you, not just David, (laughs) you are more than a conqueror. Wait, you're not just a conqueror, but you're more than that. So how do you, why, why, who's telling you that you're defeated? Who's telling you that there's no hope? Who's telling you you're not strong? Who's telling you you don't have what it takes? Who told you that you're not enough? Because it wasn't God. It wasn't his word. There's no verse in here that lines up with you living defeated. Not one. So then, why do we live defeated? Because we're not taking the time to reflect. You've been disappointed before. Think about it. Think about it. And think about how you got through it. It wasn't you. You're not that good. You found strength in numbers. You plus him. That's how you got through it. So after you do that, number two is you got to seek God's guidance. It's not enough to look at the past to find strength that's where you should start that's how you should begin the journey of moving from disappointment to destiny you should look back at his track record because he hasn't lost but the next thing you should do is in your present you should be asking him for his perspective we don't do that enough we don't ask him his perspective why did this just happen What am I supposed to learn from this? You let this happen for a reason. Can you tell me why? I would love to know. And most importantly, how should I proceed? How should I move forward? Can I let you in on a little little secret? God is still talking. His voice has not gone silent. If you ask him a question, he will answer. You, the problem is you don't ask enough questions. You make too many assumptions. You assume you know what he's doing. You assume you know why this happened. But you can get rid of the assumptions by going to him directly. It's one of the benefits of the work of the cross. That You don't have to come ask your pastor to ask God. <laughs> You don't, you don't need to go find a prophet. Can you declare? And you ready to halfway fall out before the prophet even said anything? But one of the benefits of the work of the cross, because one of the things that took place is right after Jesus said it is finished is that the, the, the veil ripped in half, which was symbolic that there was nothing else there's no barriers between us and God. We could go to him. We could talk to him. We can inquire of him. He encourages us to. And he will answer. Here's how David did it. If we carry on further in the story in verse 8, David asked the Lord, Should I pursue these raiders? Now, implicit in his question, Should I pursue? means that he had the ability to pursue. The question was not, am I able? The question was, should I? Sometimes we have the ability to do things and we just do it because we have the ability to do it. And we didn't ask God anything. David didn't need permission to go get him. He knew how to go get him. He said, should I? You want me to. I know I can, I know I'm strong enough, I know I'm battle tested. I know the land, I know the terrain, I know the shortcuts. I know how to get them. but should I? Should I? when was the last time you asked? Should I? Is this your will? Should I pursue these raiders? Second question: will I overtake them? He was asking God, would you mind telling me what the outcome would be? It's a different, that's a different level of closeness. (laughs) Like, hey, should I? Okay. Okay. You say yes. Okay. Now, when I go, am I going to (laughs) win? Can you, am I going to (laughs) win? It's it's a demonstration of, of a relationship that we can foster with God. Like he's not scared of our questions. You're not going to catch him off guard by the preciseness of your request. If you ask, if you talk, if you foster that relationship with him, he is going to talk back just like he did to David. The Lord replied to him, pursue them. For you will, listen, certainly. Woo! I'm sorry. Just that word alone. Not just you're going to win, but you will absolutely, positively, certainly overtake them and rescue the people. David faced a distressing, distressing situation. His city was burned down. His family was taken prisoner. But instead of panicking and acting rashly, he took time to consider the guidance of God. So as we endeavor, because sometimes when we're hurt, we're trying to get up out that pain quick. Like, whatever I have to do to not feel this, whatever I have to do to move forward, whatever I have to do for the page of this chapter to change, I'm willing to do it. But you shouldn't be willing to do it unless God said you should. It's a key word. Should I pursue? Don't move apart from God's guidance. This this demonstrates the importance of seeking God's direction because you could run hard, strong, and consistently the wrong way. Like, you can be super athletic, have a great amount of endurance, have an unbelievable amount of speed And put all that energy into going the absolute wrong way. (laughs) Because you didn't ask God for directions. So you put all that natural ability into going the wrong way. So how do we seek God's guidance? We have to spend time in prayer. Not just saying grace before we eat chicken. But when we're in prayer, we're actually seeking God's perspective. Like we get stuck in our perspective. When we should actually be seeking his like God, like how are you seeing this? Because the way I'm seeing this is X, Y, and Z. But how are you seeing this? What, What is your plan in this? What is your purpose in this? How should I move forward in this? What is the next thing I should do? Because I don't want to make a move that's not ordained by you. A good reminder is in Jeremiah 29 and 11 where he he tells us, I I know the plans I have for you. I know them. Hello, I know them. (laughs) Maybe you should ask me since I know them. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. Man, you, you need that reminder when life feels like one big disaster. <laughs> like how both of us lose our job? Huh? <laughs> like, like, like for real God? You haven't been there like, like, has that ever come out, kind of, like for real God? Like you need reminders like this. You need promises like this when life becomes a big time disappointment. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Like this is directly from him. And oh, by the way, this verse was written to a people that were currently enslaved. So it wasn't all peachy king. Everybody wasn't living in prosperity. Everybody ain't have Benzes in the driveway. Everybody wasn't flying business class. Everybody ain't get the raise. Everybody's business ain't take off. Everybody ain't found Boabs. They was in chains. Enslaved back-breaking labor, feeling hopeless and lost and defeated. And the prophet of God named Jeremiah proclaimed the word of the Lord over that group of people to say, I know the plans that I have for you. They are good and not deserving. I bet that they've really felt like life was a disaster when the prophet came and said this. Maybe some of you feel like life is a disaster right now or this situation or this circumstance feels disastrous. Well, that word still, still is alive. This is still God's promise to you now is that he knows the plans that he has for you. You know why that's good news? Is number one, he has a one for you. The devil would love to talk you out of the plan that God has for you. He would love to use evidence, exhibit A, this disappointment. It's clear that God ain't got no plan for you. This broken relationship, this death, this job loss, this business failure evidence that god doesn't have a plan for you that's what your accuser does to you and that's when you have to come back to him to ask god for guidance on how to proceed or else you'll be talked out of that plan that god has for you so after you find strength in god's promises and After you seek God's guidance, the the very last step in the process is, is the hardest one. I'm going to be honest with you. You have to obey his instructions. I can't tell you the number of people who have told me what God has told them, and yet they ain't did it. I'm confused. How can God give an instruction that you refuse to execute on? because you think you're God. You don't think that God is sovereign. I appreciate that holy hush. Because when God gives us an instruction, it, it comes with an inherent responsibility to execute. He's not making suggestions. You're like, this might be a good idea if you consider this. When God tells you to move, you move. When God tells you to go, you go. When God tells you to stay, sit your tail down and stay. When he gives you instructions, you need to to obey. We're talking about how to move out of this disappointment. It's going to come down to faith. Because what if he tells you to sit in it? What you going to do then? What are you going to do when you're in the middle of a disappointment and his instructions to you are even more disappointing? Disappointing. gonna do then? You got to grow in your faith. It doesn't have to make sense to you. You just have to believe. I wouldn't serve a God that I couldn't trust. But because I do serve a God that I trust, even when his instructions don't align with my expectations, I know that his plans are way better than mine. Proverbs 16 and 9 says, We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. You can make plans. You should, you should make some, some plans. You should keep planning. You should make plans for the plan. Go on, and keep playing it. But, however, comma, the Lord determines our steps. Are you okay with that? Are you, listen, hey, come here, lean in. Are you okay when God pivots you away from your plan? Are you okay? Are, are you okay? <laughs> when his instructions lead you in the complete opposite direction that you were currently going? And what if, and what if the only way for you to change course was was through that disappointment? What if that was the only way that he could really get your attention? What if that was the only way he could really get you to lean in? How would you feel about the disappointment then? What if, what if, what if that disappointment was divinely orchestrated for your good? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm talking about that disappointment that really, really hit you in the heart. What if that was a part of his perfect plan for your life? What if that imperfect situation was to get you in alignment with his perfect will? Would you be okay with that pivot? Well, that's the reality. When our reality and our expectations don't meet and we end up in disappointment, there's something there that we can take from it. If we, if we see it through heaven's perspective, how do we do that? We have to remember his promises to find our strength. And then we have to seek his guidance on how we're supposed to proceed. And then when he tells us, we have to obey. That's the real strength in numbers. You see, David was surrounded by people. And even when he went to go and follow the instructions of the Lord, the Bible goes on to say that he left with 600 soldiers. But during the journey, 200 of them got weary. So weary that they couldn't proceed. And so then he even went with less people than he left with. And everything that God said would happen, happened. happened. Everything that God promised, he fulfilled. Because the Bible goes on to say that David recovered all. But he didn't just recover his family. He didn't just recover his belongings. (laughs) He got some more stuff. The Bible says that he took the Amalekite stuff. He said, give me that. That stuff that he took, he didn't keep it. He sent it out as gifts to different families and different tribes in the region. You know, those people that he gave the different stuff to in the region, those are the people that later would appoint him, elect him, make him king. there was purpose in the disappointment. David was not even tripping on the Amalekites or their stuff until they came and messed with his family. So that that moment of disappointment was to pivot David, to prepare him for a season of promotion that was to come. Imagine if David would have gave up. Imagine if David would have forsook God in the depths of his pain, in the depths of his disappointment. Imagine if if David would have took what God told him to do and ignored it not only would he not have ever seen his family again, but it also would have hindered the plan that God had for him, which was to sit on the throne. That's what happens when we take the journey to move from disappointment into our destiny. What's the key is finding strength in numbers, not people. David didn't find strength in his soldiers. So your strength isn't coming from your friend group. Your strength might even be coming from your mentors. There's gonna be some stuff in your life where you need to go to God himself to find your strength. When you align yourself with God the Father, when you align yourself with God the Son, And when you align yourself with God, the Holy Spirit, you position yourself to have strength and numbers because you plus God equals everything. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.